Welcome to another episode of Across the Field, Double B and PV. Oh, wait a minute. PV's not here. We got Coach Ryan Jerome sitting in. Rhino, what's going on? Oh, not much. Appreciate you having me. Just trying to enjoy the uh, enjoy my off day. We got a snow day today, so been pretty relaxing so far. Just catching up on some uh, some NFL Live out here in the garage. Heck yeah! Did uh, did they cancel school pretty early? The um, yeah, it was pretty early. Um, it was at least when I found out, it was like seven thirty ish. We got a delay. They gave us a delay last night before you know anything even happened, and then. Um, we were one of the later ones, I think, in the area to close. Um, but it was kind of like, you know, when everybody around you is closed, you kind of assume like, okay, we're going to close here before long. And sure enough, we did. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you too, without, uh, you know, we'll just throw it out to our listeners here. Um, you got a new job this year. Yeah. Teaching some, uh, elementary phys ed. How's that going? It's, it's going all right. Um, it's been a bit of an adjustment. Just the main thing is moving from like, you know, high school students to elementary students and then throw it on top, throw, you know, to add to that, um, became a first time dad, all, all kind of at the same time. Cause obviously my son was born in September and, you know, school started just a month before that. So it was kind of a lot at once, but by now I've started to kind of settle in and adjust to the new role and and i'm enjoying it i enjoy the kids um enjoy the job and uh like i said so far so good good deal so yeah ryan's filling in tonight for everybody listening just because uh peyton's got some stuff going on with school and trying to work and so here we are and, and ryan was nice enough to come on with us so um next week we might have somebody else to throw at you uh, who knows? But this week, this is what we're doing. We're not going to make any picks this week. Uh, but I did want to start off, Ryan. Um, did yeah. you catch the Buckeye men's hoops game last night? I caught the first half. And after that, I was I started to kind of check out. I'll be honest. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. I just I checked out after after half. It's like I've seen this story too many times already this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of the opposite. I missed the first half. Okay. Um, I watched um, Wayne Trace. They had a, a live stream. Over yes. Arlington last night. Yep. Um, the Raiders picked up a win, 52-41. But, yeah, I checked that out. And then by the time that got over, it was just about halftime of the Buckeye game. So then I kind of tuned into that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was kind of doing the same thing. I started with the Wayne Trace game, um, and then once the Buckeyes came on, I turned that back on, or I turned that on for the start of the game, and then I watched the the most of the Wayne Trace the second half on my phone. Um, I turned it. I didn't see the ending. I turned it off. You know, mid late fourth quarter, the game was pretty well in hand, um, mm-hmm. but they picked up a nice W. I've heard. Um, I don't know their record, but I, I've heard Arlington's a pretty decent team. Yeah, they're not bad. They, they've got some nice pieces. Um, Coach's son, okay. uh, Vermillion kid, he shoots it pretty well. I feel like we held him in check pretty well. Uh, he was number one. So, Yeah, I well, just defensively in general. I mean, I felt like, I mean, for most, of, especially that first quarter and that first half, it was a low-scoring game. So, yeah. I mean, 
you know, I, I think credit the defense defense there for, for most of that. Um, but it, we just kind of pulled away there right from the get go there after halftime. And like I said, I thought a lot of that was, uh, was the defense. Yeah. I was just looking here. Arlington is 10 and five. Okay. So that's with, yeah, with their least. only, their only losses being the Liberty Benton, Bluffton, Crestview, Spencerville and Wayne Trace. So all good, you know, good teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but before we move on to that, just what would, I mean, what did you take away from the Buckeyes? I mean, they not, just not, not just last night, but what, just the last couple weeks in general. So I just feel like, and this may be kind of the theme in college basketball, like the direction things are going. Um, I It's hard to, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not as interested in it as I used to be. Now, I still sit down and try to watch the games, but, like, it's hard to really get, you know, as emotionally attached to the basketball team. Um, it's certainly a lot harder to do that than it is the football team, but it's more it's more so difficult now, maybe maybe in part because they're not, they haven't been as successful recently. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think the thing that's, I'm, I don't know if I would call it, you know, I don't, what I take away and what I kind of, you know, th- when I, what comes to mind with them right now is, um, you know, I think the Sensible kid's a good, is a good solid player. I, I like Key, um, but like there's just, we don't seem to get, I feel like one of the problems, and I could be wrong in this, maybe this isn't the solution, um, but I don't think we really keep the best players in Ohio, the best high school players in Ohio in the state anymore. I feel like they're leaving Ohio. And and I think Ohio State deserves better than that. Um, I don't. I don't, like I said. Maybe that doesn't solve the issues they're having. But I just feel like the state of Ohio is a good enough state in, in terms of basketball that if Ohio State was keeping, you know, take the bet whoever the best three players in the state are, if that's who they're bringing in, you know, on a yearly basis, you know, with you know other pieces, of course. You know, I, I think the program maybe is in a better spot than they are now. And it's not to say they can't turn it around. You know, it's still January. There's a little time. But um, I think it's just a lack of consistency. You know, the one they're in a rough patch. And that one – the one game they have won kind of on this losing streak, that Iowa game, I mean, well, they, they scored like 93 points, right? So, there's just – there's not a lot of consistency, I don't mm-hmm. think, on offense. And, and I don't know if they have – Aside from when guys just get hot, I don't know if they have the, the horses to really, truly really be a consistent, you know, team offensively. Yeah, <clears throat> and to your point about uh, keeping the guys in the state, I mean that's that's even going back, and I I like Thad Mata too. When yeah, I got to Ohio State later on. I got frustrated with him. Um, that's even going back to Thad Mata. I mean, you think of guys right. like Travis Trice. Um, right there in Columbus or right, you know, suburb of Columbus goes to Michigan yep. state has a great career. Um, Adrian Payne, a Dayton kid. Yep. Goes to Michigan state has a good career. Yeah. Uh, Trey Burke goes to Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Matthias goes to Purdue. Math- yeah. Dakota Matthias goes to Purdue. It's like, um, and then there, uh, miles McBride, um, goes to West Virginia over Ohio state. Yeah. So, and I don't even know, you know, I'd have to go back and do some research. I don't even know if we offered those kids. I would like to think we did. Yeah, I'd hope. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just it's crazy to think that the guys were letting kind of get away in the in our own state. Number one. Yeah. 
Um, and then I think the other thing that doesn't really help is the one and done rule. I hated that when they started it. Yep. And then now you combine that with the transfer portal. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's and that's what I'm talking about. That's what I, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about when I say like, you don't get as emotionally attached because I mean, every season it's a, it's almost a whole new set of five guys going out there. And right. You know, it's, it's not like it used to be where, you know, and we were probably spoiled a little bit during this time, but you know, we were going when, when we were, when Ohio state was in our, was in our heyday, you know, you, you were, you had the same names for three, four years at a time, you know, your, your Jamar Butler's, your David Lighty, William Buford, uh, Deshaun Thomas, Aaron Kraft. And now we don't have those guys, those guys that stick around for three to four years and build the program. And, you know, some of those names I just mentioned are, or were Ohio guys. And mm-hmm. I think, I think that's maybe, maybe a large part of what they're missing, kind of the missing ingredient right now. I could be wrong, but I, I just feel like that was, I think that's the way that it needs done at Ohio state. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And that's just, I really thought Chris Holtman, you know, not to get into keep him, you know, keep right. him fire him or whatever, but yeah. You know, it seems like he just got there, and then you look at it, and you're like, man, it's year six, and right, this team doesn't even seem to be like they're even going to make the tournament. Right. Uh, yeah, and I'm not – yeah, I, same as you. I wouldn't get into, you know, whether – get ri- I'm not calling for the dude's job or anything. I was a, I was, um, I was a fan of him, you know, when they've hired him in the first couple of years. Um, he does a lot to try to engage with the students, and he – He's a very big supporter of the football team and the other programs there at Ohio State, and so and I, you know, myself included, a lot of people appreciate that. Um, and I don't know enough X's and O's wise basketball to criticize him in that aspect. Um, so that's why you know the main thing that sticks out to me is recruiting, um, just because that's something you can look at and see where these guys are from, how they're recruiting. Now I know he's got a what looks to be a, a dandy of a class coming in, mm-hmm. um, so. I don't know. I think he's shown he's shown flashes of it almost each year. He'll, I I think every year that he's been here, he's he's had a couple big splashes each year where we beat somebody big and it, or you know win a big game and it kind of opens your eyes. We he's just never found that consistency because yeah. we always seem to go through these kind of lulls each year where we're losing four out of five, five out of six, whatever. Um, he seems to as you know, like I said, he'll get a big splash win every now and then, but he also seems to have these along the way too. Yeah. And I just, I think about it like this, like they're going to have to go on a heck of a winning streak, you know, sitting right now with nine losses. I mean, you're right. about, you're about going to have to just rattle them all off here. You would, you know, win nine of the next 10 at least just to even, you know, get into the dance. And right. Then, then see what happens from there. Now, if they get hot and that happens and, you know, maybe get to the semifinals of the big 10 uh, tournament. All right. Now, yeah, got something going. So I'm not saying it's completely over, but we're creeping here, you know, at the end of January and it's just kind of like, yeah, it's go time now. Like it's either or go home. Yeah. And and Ohio state to me is a place that, you know, I'm not going to say it needs to be in terms of basketball. I'm not going to say that the standard is the same as what the football program is, but it, it needs to be close. In my opinion, like I, I think the standard at Ohio State is, you know, compete for and win Big Ten championships and, uh, 
you know, be a consistent name, you know, in the NCAA tournament year and out and year in, year out. And, you know, more often than not be one of those teams that's, you know, you know, toward one of those higher seeds and, you know, occasionally goes on that final four run. Yeah. And, and maybe we were spoiled when we went, like, I think we, we, we had a couple sweet 16, a couple sweet 16s, a final four and, a, and an elite eight there in like a, a four, four or five year span. So maybe we were spoiled then, but to me, that's, uh, I just think that's what Ohio state's capable of in terms of basketball. I agree. I agree. And final point I'll make here is I just heard this today. Yeah. Um, Mike Bray obviously announced a couple of days ago that he's done at Notre Dame at the end of the season. Yeah. I hear Chris Holtman is like a leading candidate to get hmm. the Notre Dame job or for them to go after. Well, that'd be interesting. Um, yeah, I I did not hear that. So, but I haven't been, I haven't followed it as closely today. So maybe I just missed it. But yeah, um, yeah that's interesting. It is. That's for, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know where I got because I don't know. On top of that, I don't know what direction we head if if he did decide to depart. Well, that's the thing. So, not only from like our perspective, but from a Notre Dame perspective, like what makes you just want to go. I mean, I guess why is Chris Holtman at the top of the list? Like, yeah. is there not a guy in waiting or is there not a guy, an assistant coach at another school um, that maybe you would feel more comfortable with or, you know, something like that? Yeah. And not only that, but it, on Holtman's side of things, why is um, – and maybe it's just because the position he's put himself in or the position, the position Ohio State's in. Why is Notre Dame a more attractive destination? If that's true, why is Notre Dame a more attractive destination than Ohio State right now? Right. right. Yeah. I, I just heard that today and I thought, man, that's kind of interesting. I, I don't – I'm a little puzzled. Yeah. If, that, if that were to happen, both sides, I'm just kind of like, what are, what's the end goal here, I guess? Yeah, that's Yeah, like you said, that's puzzling. So – all right, enough about Buckeye hoops. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. No, I just I didn't say anything. I just chuckled. Uh, you said nothing. Uh, Buckeye hoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's get off that. I mean, I hope they turn around. I hope they I do too. Off. But man, they're gonna have to really figure some things out. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Uh, let me look here. When they're back in action, they got Indiana on Saturday. Okay, I was gonna say. I thought at a simple ball. So that's not going to be easy, obviously. No, no. And then, you know, you look at next week and you've got a home home game with Wisconsin, who's 12 and 6. I mean, Big Ten's brutal. And I guess my final point is, you know, we just got to go on a run here. Got to get something going. Yeah, they do. I, I really think you got to get at least, at least seven or eight of these last 10 games. Oh, for sure. Because if you don't, then you're banking on winning, you know, the Big Ten tournament. And that's, you know, you're talking, they're not going to be in a position where they're getting two buys, let alone even one. So, right. You're going to have to run, you know, run the table over the course of five straight days, isn't it? Is it four or five? Five now. Five. Yeah. You know, the what have you, and we haven't seen anything yet this year to believe that they can do that. Right. Right. <sighs> So anyway, we'll move on from the Buckeyes. We'll, we'll let's talk about uh, some NFL action. righty. First off, what impressed you the most over the weekend? Easy, Cincinnati Bengals. Defensively, 
Uh, yeah. Or just, just look at everything. Yeah. Defense. Yeah. I, you know, everybody talks about Burrow and Chase. And by now, I they don't – like, they're they're phenomenal. They're awesome. That's a big reason why Joe Burrow's the man. He might be the best, you know, the best quarterback in the league now. But that's – you know, I've come to expect that with him, at least at this point. To me, the defense, like you just mentioned, because, you know, if you'd have told I, – I don't know if I'd have believed if you'd have told me, you know, what the – was it 10 points, 12 points? What are they? Ten points that I'd have never believed if you told me they were gonna. I know it was snowing, but um, I mean Cincinnati's not really at least last two years when they've been, you know, one of the top teams in the AFC. To me, they're not. I don't know what they're ranked, you know, statistically on defense, but it's not what people normally talk about when they mention the Bengals. They mention, you know, Burrow and Mixon and that uh, that receiving core between Chase Higgins and Boyd. So. Um, that that's what impressed me the most. They're starting to look like um, a complete team. And then not only that, I'll go back to the offense real quick. To have three starters out on the offensive line and and those first couple drives just run right down Buffalo's throat mm-hmm. um, on their home field. That was impressive. Um, so that into even ice the game, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they, they had it back there with what six or seven minutes, and they just they kept yeah. it on the, yeah. the line. And what? Yeah, and to ice the game. So what's impressive about that to me, and I think to most people, you know, at that point in the game, Buffalo knows what's coming, and they still can't stop it. So I think to me, I think Cincinnati's most impressive because I think they just proved that they're maybe the. I know I don't know if they're going to be the most talented team of the four remaining, but I think they might be the most complete in terms of everything that they can do. So, um, and, and they got a quarterback that can, that can do it all. Um, and I, and I don't know if he's, um, he, well, he's not bothered by any, he's, the moment's not too big for him. In fact, the bigger the game, the better he seems to play. So, yeah. Um, yeah. They were the most impressive. Um, don't want to take anything away from Philly. I know that they had, they played Saturday night, but, um, and I know that I know they were playing a, division opponent they've seen a few times but um you know anytime you can win by 30 in the playoffs that's uh that's pretty impressive because you, you can get everybody's best shot yeah the way they just dominated yeah was just impressive um that was that was probably the two teams i was most impressed with was philly and, and cincinnati yeah uh, i was kind of surprised that the i mean the niners have a great defense yeah the whole Dak and that Dallas Cowboy offense to 12 points after the last few weeks, we've seen him, you know, put up 30 plus. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty impressive too. I thought. Yeah, I thought so. Um, and I'll be honest, I actually, I actually thought Dallas was going to win that game. So that was, that game was maybe a bit of a surprise just in terms of the outcome, but yeah, not only that to, uh, but to hold, um, to hold Dallas to, like you said, to that was, it was 12, right? Mm-hmm. 19-12. 19-12. So, yeah, that was um, San Francisco. That might be the best defense that's between them and Philly. Um, that's going to be a pretty good. That's going to be a pretty entertaining game. Um, and then speaking of San Francisco, Brock Purdy just kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, I think he's proof that there's something to be said about these quarterbacks that that play that stay the course in college and play you know, all four years, mm-hmm. um, you know, Justin Herbert's another example. Now I'm not comparing Purdy to Herbert, um, but what I am 
saying is that these guys that that don't leave college early and that you know stay there four years and then go to the NFL. Um, I know he got drafted late, and I know he was a third stringer coming into the year, but they seem to transition to the game. I don't want to say easier, but I, I I feel like they they transition almost right away. Um, I, I don't know if it's by you know by playing longer in college, they're more ready for the NFL. You know, not getting there, not getting too much too soon. But um, I and, and maybe maybe nothing comes of this this guy. Maybe Brock Purdy's some somebody that we're that's not even playing quarterback in the NFL in two or three years. I don't know, but I, I, I think there's something to be said about guys that stay, you know, in college, those four years play quarterback. They don't leave early, get all those reps. And then once they're ready, go to the league. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And now I guess the biggest question for San Francisco heading into the off season is like, what do you do at the quarterback position? Well, I think, I think these next couple of weeks, you know, and one game at a time, obviously, but I think these are, these next couple of weeks are going to determine, you know, Brock Purdy's career. Cause I yeah. mean, you're not going to, how can you not commit to the guy if you go out and win the Super Bowl? Right. Like, how can you say, ah, oh, well, you know, appreciate it, but we're going to go with the guy that, was hurt and wasn't able to play and get us through the playoffs. I just don't know how you do that. So now if they lose and they get beat, um, then I think you got to have some serious conversations in that, in that front office and with the, with that head coach and their, their staff, because that's, I don't think that's an easy decision. Um, And, you know, Jimmy G is a guy that's always been talked about as, you know, um, whether it be a trade option or, um, you know, t- teams looking for that quarterback, looking for a, a stable, a solid guy at quarterback. Um, Jimmy G is seems to be one of those names that's always mentioned. So, um, you know, regardless of what I will say, regardless of what happens these next couple of weeks, San Francisco is going to have some options. Yeah. Yeah, and it seemed to be <laughs> when Trey Lance went down and Jimmy yeah. or like, uh-oh, here we go. and And it's kind of been – the, the you know the complete opposite they've almost gotten better with with each change yeah i think they were a little better with jimmy g than they were trey lance and now they've and maybe they're just hot at the right time but it's almost like they flipped another switch when when purdy came in yeah. uh, and and maybe there's nothing to that maybe that's one of those things where you know it just takes a few weeks for the film to get out on for these defensive coordinators and and they start to start to shut this guy down a little bit. Um, I will say, though, I think it certainly doesn't hurt to have, you know, I think he has a pretty good offensive line, and then it doesn't hurt to have guys like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle to, <laughs> to distribute the ball to. That's that As long as you can function, that's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> your job's not going to be all that incredibly hard. Right. Right. Um, I guess, so looking forward to this weekend, um, Sunday, three o'clock on Fox, NFC Championship, Niners, Eagles in Philly. Yep. Who, who do you like in it? Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. As much as we've just talked about the 49ers, I, I think they might even be the better team. Um, but because it's in Philly, I don't know, man. I just, something tells me that Philly's going to pull this one out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I will say is I think. <laughs> 
I think San Francisco is more equipped to beat either Kansas City or Cincinnati, whoever comes out of the AFC. I think yeah. San Francisco is more equipped to get that done. Um, but I, I just think, you know, game being in Philly, that matchup in particular, um, I think that I think Philly's maybe the one defense left that can that maybe matches up to San Francisco's weapons the best. Um, you know, defensive line. I think that that's you know one of the better pass rushes in the league. So I think that might be the difference in the game. Get pressure on on Purdy and what's going to be the biggest game of his life. Um, you know, he's and he's only got a handful of NFL games under his belt right now. Um, and then I think Jalen Hurts being able to forcing you to or being able to beat you in multiple ways, running the football and throwing it. I think that might be the difference. Um, so like I said, I think on paper, San Francisco is probably a little better, but I think the game being in Philly helps. And um, like I said, I think, I think this is the worst of the four of the three possible opponents left. I think this is the toughest possible matchup for the Niners. So I'll take the Eagles in a very, very close one. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, you know, it's it's crazy how much the game has changed, but has also stayed the same in the NFL because, you know, traditionally a team that wins the Super Bowl can, yeah. do, can do two things. They can run the football and they can play defense. Absolutely. You look at either one of those teams, they're both pretty good at it. Both pretty good at but Yes, exactly. exactly. So, tool. And then that rolls over even to the AFC game, and I think that's maybe where Cincinnati has the advantage over Kansas City is, you know, I feel like, you know, even down those linemen, those three offensive linemen, they were able to run the ball. I think they build on it. But, you know, playing Pat Mahomes at Arrowhead is not going to be easy either. It never is. It never is. Um, And like you said, I think, you know, running the ball, stopping the run, um, I think those were two things that Cincinnati – I think that might have been, you know, obviously Joe Burrow, but I think that may have been the difference in Buffalo last week because that's mm-hmm. one thing Buffalo, Buffalo could not get off the field and and they couldn't run the ball themselves. So, um, yeah, I think that's ultimately what both games will come down to. Um, you know, we already did, you know, the NFC game, but I think AFC as well. Um, and just based on what we've seen – you know, last week and what we've seen so far this year, um, I got to lean towards the Bengals just, you know, just based, just because I've seen it, you know, I don't, and especially with, if Mahomes wasn't banged up and I know I, I just saw an NFL live, he practiced today, mm-hmm. but if Mahomes wasn't banged up, I would probably lean chiefs just because I, you know, that's, it's almost unthinkable for a team for the same team to go into Arrowhead back to back years for an AFC championship game and, and win in that building. So, um, like I said, because of Mahomes, I think is going to be limited. I, I, I got to lean Cincinnati and again, another close game, but, um, but like you said, running the ball, stopping the run, I think Cincinnati's going to be just a little bit better at it on Sunday than what Kansas city is. Yeah. Uh, I think Burrow makes just enough plays to get it done. I agree with you on both of them. Um, I don't, obviously I'm rooting for, Cincinnati a little bit just because obviously you know a lot of Bengals fans yeah I don't know they're just the team that I would like to see do it you know Kansas City's been there yeah Philly was there recently been there done that I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Cincinnati and San Francisco sure in in the Super Bowl 
Um, kind of, you know, obviously rooting for the Bengals, but nevertheless, I don't think it matters who wins either game. I think it's going to be a bloodbath and, and we're set up for a great Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like you said, I'm, if I had to, you know, my teams, I don't have a, a dog in the hunt, but, you know, if I had to pick somebody, I'd be rooting for the Bengals. Um, you know, being from the state of Ohio and, and Joe Burrow's just a hard guy. He's a hard guy to not root for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Kansas City, you know, like you said, been there, done that. Um, San Francisco's been there. You know, they're always in the conversation. I wouldn't mind seeing them win it. Um, and then, you know, Philly, you know, a handful of years ago got there and won it. Um, so, no, I think if I, you know, if I had to pick a team I was rooting for, it would be Cincinnati. So maybe I'm a little biased thinking they get it done this week. But um, it should, like you said, should be should be two excellent, excellent football games to set up for what should be another, um, you know, fun to watch Super Bowl. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, got anything else on the NFL front? You want to talk about, you want to talk about your bears at all or? Um, I can. Yeah. I <laughs> saw, um, Mel Kiper released his first uh, mock draft and he had us taking Jalen Carter. Um, I guess to me, that's kind of like the consolation prize because for me, there's two teams in particular and maybe more, but there's two in particular I'm thinking of, and both of them are in the same division that need a quarterback and are probably going to want to draft a quarterback. And there's three big names that are probably going within the first five or six picks. Um, And I think that to make certain that they get the guy they want, I think they'd be willing to move up to number one and trade for us. And because of that, I think we need to, as the bears do our due diligence to get a package for that first pick back, get as much as we can, whether it be more picks, whether it be a pick and a, and a current player, um, whatever we need to do. Um, because I, I, I think if we play this all season, right, we could, we could be a dangerous team next year. I wouldn't predict a Super Bowl or anything like that, but I think, I think the goal for next year and, and start, and it starts in this off season needs to be, we need to be in a position to compete for a wild card spot next year. Just because I think, you know, who knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, but I think our division is going to be very manageable. I don't want to say winnable. I want to, I'll say manageable. Um, you know, do you trust the Vikings to go 12 and five again? I do not. Um, as you know, I think they're good, but I think they have their holes. And I think that proved, um, or I think those holes got exposed, you know, against the Giants a couple weeks ago. Um, Detroit's up and coming, but certainly not. Uh, they're certainly beatable. And and if Aaron, Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay, um, I think that team is, is below average. So yeah. I think, I think now is the time to go after it. And I think with the cap space that the bears have over a hundred million, um, to work with in free agency and having that number one pick, whether you use it or whether you use it as trade bait and all the extra picks we have in the mid in the middle rounds. Um, I think now's the time to start to, I don't want to say go for it, but we need to be an interesting team next year. I, I, I think, I think anything below 500, anything below, you know, below 500 and having a roster that's not capable of getting above 500, I think would be unacceptable. Um, I think this is a massive offseason for the Bears going forward. And um, I, I want to trust the guys in place, but I've, you know, I w- I've also 
they've done things to to disappoint Bears fans in the past. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll that we'll get it right. Um, I think the pieces are in place to start to build and get it right, but we will see. That's for sure. Yeah. I me personally, I think I would trade that pick and and, yeah. try and see what all I could get back for it. Yeah. And go from there. And I think you could honestly get maybe a late first round and then an early second round or, or something to that effect. I think a team would be willing to give that up if they could do it. Sure. Uh, especially if, you know, there's a few of those teams that I think could go up and get a quarterback if that's what they want to do. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely try to trade it if, if I could. Definitely. And I think it's better – Maybe I'm crazy, but to hold out as long as you can before you trade that, right? Try to make the value go up on that pick a little bit more. Make the yeah, make the value go up and make the urgency of the other teams that you know you're looking to deal with make their urgency. You know, because the closer we get to the draft, the more you know. Like I said, that urgency is going to start to set in. Do 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 you want to move? You know, that from the Bears' perspective, do you want to move up and get your quarterback or not? If not, we're going to hold on to this pick. If you want to move up and get your quarterback, you're going to have to get us a, a heck of a deal for this first pick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, I, I hinted at two teams, you know, Texans and Colts are the two obvious ones, but there's other teams as well um, that could maybe trade that, you know, maybe – maybe they don't have their guy. Maybe the quarterback's all they're missing. You know, I think of, you know, um, teams like the Raiders or teams like Tennessee, you know, where it seems like the quarterback position maybe is the one thing, you know, holding them back from taking that next step. Who knows? But um, I, I, there's, there's so many options. I think you got to have these teams come talk to you um, and, and just listen to what they have to say and, and kind of wheel and deal with them a little bit, see what they're willing to give up. Um, you know, how, and, you know, essentially deal goes to the highest bidder. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's, that's what I would do. I agree. Um, don't even get me started on the Cardinals though. Don't even well, get- I was wondering, cause they're up there picking close to where the bears are at. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you guys need a quarterback. Maybe you are ready to move on from Kyler. I don't know, but I don't. I don't see the Cardinals doing that. I'll be honest. I don't know if I'm ready just yet. And then what kind of solidifies that for me is, um, you know, the organization coming out saying we're going to have Kyler's input on who the next head coach is. Okay. So I kind of feel like um, Kyler's the guy, at least for this year. Okay. Now, I, I also think, you know, we just paid him a bunch of money. It's time to, to show – to show it on the field. And then the other thing is this ACL injury. Yeah. They're talking, you know, he's not going to be back for a while. So do you go get a quality guy to kind of run the show while he's gone? Or are you good with Colt McCoy and just whatever happens, happens? Well, that depends. I think that depends on how bad they want, how soon they want to start competing in that division. Mm -hmm. Um, If Kyler is the guy, I don't know if you need to show a whole lot of urgency and getting a guy, you know, I think, I think you ride it, ride it out with Colt McCoy. I I think you build around him, get fill in the other missing pieces. Then when Kyler comes back, you know, by that point, hopefully you got something. Um, And I don't watch the Cardinals enough to know 
you know, what they're missing. Um, I know it's pretty disappointing. Offensive season. line. Offensive line. Offensive line. <laughs> well, then, then I think that's where, where, where I start in the draft. What, they pick fourth. Did I see that? Yeah, third or fourth. I third can't or fourth. Okay. So yeah. I think if that's what they need, and, and it makes sense because you want to protect your, your best asset if, if that's Kyler. Um, yeah, I think that's where I go with my first pick. And um, and then I, you know, through free agency, try to patch things up if you can. Offensive line, it's it's been proven, you know, by, by plenty of teams that you can patch up the offensive line in one offseason through, through the draft and through free agency. And, and that's a – unit that it, it's important but you can fix it fairly quickly in the nfl well and that's that was the kind of the problem so the year that i kind of switched to the cardinals yeah and, and um maybe the year before that they just i felt like they had a lot of band-aids okay they just went out and got a bunch of older veteran guys yeah that, that were still good but this year it was just like no excuses. Like we only had maybe nine or 10 offensive linemen on roster. Okay. Had, had to keep bringing guys up because of injuries and all this stuff. And, you know, Billy Price, nothing against Billy Price. I thought he got better as the season went on, but was the center for probably nine or 10 games. Yeah. Uh, last nine or 10 games. And the first few that he was in, I mean, he was snapping the ball over Kyler's head. He had no, I mean, he struggled a little bit, so then it's just like, well, we know as Buckeye fans that Billy Price is a guard and not a center. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just frustrating. It was frustrating all year because the offensive line couldn't do anything. I think the defense is actually pretty good. They're young. They might be a piece away now that that JJ's gone. Yeah. Um, you know, they might need another edge rusher, a, a young guy that's going to get after it. Yeah. Uh, but they just got a guy last year, Zach Allen, right? Or who's pretty good, plays a lot like JJ Watt. I, I think the defense is pretty solid. They're young. They gave up some big plays, but you start looking at time and possession. I mean, they were on the field a bunch, and I, I know I might use that as an excuse a lot sometimes. But well, you know, but they're the more longer you're on the field. I mean, it usually typically means more possessions you're playing on that side of the ball more possessions you're playing more chances they get to score and not only that it was you know we go down and score so quick and then we go up tempo the next drive and it's like a three and out and it's i mean so the time might not have been the time possession might not have been as lopsided yeah but just the amount that they were running in and out i guess was was a concern for me okay um but i you know, I think they've done fairly well. Um, DB's got banged up, but yeah, I mean, that happens. Next guy up, and I didn't think they were terrible. Um, I would, I would just attack the offensive line. Okay. Now, I think Mel Kiper on his draft. I want to say he had Will Anderson going to the Cardinals, and that would be okay. That'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. But then, just because I don't, I mean. Offensive lineman, if you're going to be, go in the first round, you got to be like a generation. You got to be a stud, yeah. So I'm okay with that. Tonight. And I think, like I said, and I and I think, you know, the thought process there is we have the quarterback that we want. When you're drafting that high, I think you got to take the best player available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's an offensive lineman that high. So yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like the pick as well. 
Well, think about this. If, if that if that's true, Will Anderson, Zayvon Collins, and Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty solid. The young, solid core to build to to build around. That's a that's a core you can keep together for for years at a time. For sure. And then Vance Joseph, I see he moves. Um, you know, I watch a lot of the games. Obviously, he'll move Simmons around from a linebacker perspective to kind of the the strong safety perspective. I mean, he'll yeah. cover too. We know he's fast. He's quick. Um, they've been playing another young kid that I I watched down in Cincinnati when Russell and I were down there for the preseason game. Um, Ezekiel Turner is his name. Yeah. Uh, he started playing late in the year at, at another linebacker, um, and he was he was pretty good too, pretty solid. And, you okay. know, at that point, you know, I'd like to see him again. I guess see his progression, sure. but man, that def- the defense is not bad. That's no. not bad. No, just not. experience. Yeah. So yeah, I think. I think with as high as your draft and it's tough to go offensive line that early, even if that's your need. So, so maybe you can do that in your later picks. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, Will Will Anderson's going to be hard to the the best pass rusher is always going to be hard to pass on if he's available. Yeah. I, like I, it's the NFL. I don't care what your needs are in the NFL. You, who do we talk about in the NFL that has all? Well, they just got too many pass rushers. They need to get rid of them. You, you never hear that. Yeah. It's like a baseball team saying, "Oh, we just have too much pitching." Like <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm good with the NFL. If you're good with it, we can move sure. on. Um, high school hoops. Well, since you brought up baseball, yeah, how's the, how's the baseball team looking? Have you started any uh, practices or any any conditioning things or yeah. As- yeah, we're uh, we're in the middle of our winter workouts right now. Um, as you probably expect, we're limited during the off season with what we're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, really, instruction like any sort of instruction with the entire group um, is basically you know outlet. You're not allowed to do that. You can do whatever you want in the weight room. Um, so really, all we're doing right now we we lift. Um, we have our lifting program. It kind of goes in phases, um, just based on the needs at that point in the winter. Um, the closer we get to the start of practice, the less it's about, you know, adding on muscle, adding on strength, the more it's about, you know, flexibility and core strength. Um, but we're in the middle of that right now. And we do some, we do hitting once a week. Uh, we, it's basically like an open gym style. Like, you know, I know you've, you've coached basketball yep. Yep. for years. So it's basically just open gym style up in the cage. Um, rev the machine up kids just step in there and we get they get their swings in um the workouts during the week like i said lifting and then there's throwing um throwing programs part of that too so basically anybody that's not in a winter sport is is you know able to get their work in until the season starts um this part of the year kind of i mean it's fun don't get me wrong but this part of the year it get you know the winter the weather it just kind of drags on you're ready you're ready for spring Mm -hmm. here but uh no, we're excited about it. Should be uh, should be a fun season. Got a long way to go, but um, definitely something we're looking forward to. When can you officially start practice? Uh, it's usually President's Day, February twentieth, which that's that's the exact date this year. So February twentieth um, is the first day we can officially practice. Where it's 
we're not only where it's not only mandatory, but now we can start, you know, coaching, instructing with the entire group, you know, in the winter, you can do it with a certain number of kids. Once we get to February 20th, you can have your whole team there and you can, you're not the, the, the restrictions are off essentially. Gotcha. Man, baseball's weird just because, you know, you can only do so much inside. Does that really limit like what you guys can do? And the I mean, hardest weather, weather plays a huge factor in that. It is. So the hardest, there's, there, I'll say the hardest part um, is defense, you know, you know, getting the infield and outfield work now. Don't get me wrong. There's fundamentals that you can just hammer inside. And, and that actually being inside the first week or two, is okay for that because it's really easy to just hammer away at, at the at the small things. Yeah. Um, the hardest part is when March rolls around. If you're still stuck inside, there's things that you almost have to be on the field for to cover. And if you're still stuck inside, you can't do it. It's it's hard to simulate, um, especially with the outfielders. I mean, when you're practicing in gym, you're not getting very good. Uh, right. I mean, you can work on the footwork and you can work on throws, but you're not getting a very good sense of tracking the ball um, as you are outside with that with that big sky and that, all that open space. It's just different. It's hard to simulate. And then the other thing is, you know, hitting live off of a pitcher. Now we got we have plenty of ways to simulate that in indoors, whether it be in the cage or out on the gym floor. Um, and and that's probably more of an in season thing as opposed to right to start a practice, but. Um, it is tough because there's been years where we're stuck inside most of March and then you know how the weather is around here. All of a sudden the weather flips like that and yeah, you're going outside, not to practice, but you got a scrimmage or you got a game you're going to play and maybe you've only been outside a couple of times. So that's, that's, that's where it gets real tricky. Yeah. What day does your season start? First, first game, game, first game is March 26th. I believe it's that Monday. Okay. I believe that's a Monday. If it's not the 26th, 20, it's a, I know it's a Monday. I just, the date is either 26th, 27th. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. Got a lot of guys coming back. Yep. A lot of guys coming back. Um, and it's a group of kids that, um, you know, we're pretty fortunate. The bulk of our roster is, you know, pretty, um, obviously they're interested in baseball, but it's a, it's a group of kids that, you know, for a lot of them, baseball is their thing. So, um, not that we want all our kids to be like that, but that that when you have, when you can get a larger group, you know, that's really invested into baseball makes, it makes your job easier for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and move to high school hoops. Um, Team I want to start with. Actually, let's just start in the conference altogether. Okay. So, and I'll bring up the team I want to start with. The team that's in first place of the GMC standings, the Paulding Panthers. Yeah. Who have not been beaten in conference play yet. The only undefeated team in conference play. Yes. Um, have you got a chance to watch them at all? Or A little bit on my sports. Um, I want to say it was Ayersville they played that I saw. I saw most of that fourth quarter. Um, that's really all I've seen of them. I'll see them, um, when they play Wayne Trace next month, I'll see, I'll, I plan to be at that game. I like to go a lot of our Wayne Trace games, but, um, yeah, other than my sports here and there, I haven't really seen Paulding. I've followed them, you know, just cause they're local and in the conference. Um, 
they're having a they're having a, they're off to a pretty good start that's for sure um and i don't and you would know more about this than i do they are they a surprise team or like not that they weren't going to be good but like are is it a surprise that they're atop the conference basically half over halfway through the season um yes and no if okay like watching them over the summer you knew they were going to be solid yeah all the guys they had coming back um but i guess to me the surprise is their record's nine and six they're four and oh in the conference yeah so you know, they got over the hump and, be, you know, they beat Antwerp, they beat Ayersville. Yes. Beat Edgerton, they beat Hicksville. Um, but on the other side of that, and this is nothing against them, you know, they, they beat Ayersville, they turn around the next night, and they lose the Liberty Center. Okay. By, so, by, by 11 points, and I just – they're better than – I'll just go out and say it. They're better than Liberty Center. They should they should win that game. Yeah. Um. And then kind of the same thing earlier on, back in December, beat Antwerp on a Friday, get beat by Ottaville on Saturday, and the score got kind of out of hand. Okay. Now, I will say this. They've rattled off four in a row, so maybe they've gotten over that. Maybe. So they beat Edgerton next night, beat Jefferson, beat Hicksville, and then Montpelier last weekend. So Yeah. So I guess my my thoughts on them, and this is kind of – this is maybe just – the little or the amount of what I know basically about high school basketball around our area is when they, the first time they really opened my eyes this year was when I heard they beat Antwerp um, at mm-hmm. Antwerp. And, you know, me thinking going into this basketball season, thinking uh, Antwerp and Wayne Trace are probably the teams to beat in the conference. Um, and then I would have put, you know, Paulding or Ayersville, you know, right behind them just again. And that's not a knock on anybody. That's just the, the little information I guess that I know or have, you know, as far as the teams in our area. So when mm-hmm. they can't work that, you know, that I guess got my attention and said, Oh, you know, Paulding's on to something this year. Um, and then I want to say it's the next week, if not the week after they, when they beat Ayersville, who I just watched, you know, beat Wayne Trace at Wayne Trace. Um, that's kind of like, you know, okay, Paulding's now the team to beat what it appears. So, yeah. um, yeah, they, they seem to have gotten things figured out up there. Um, I know they have some talent. Um, it should be a good game. Like I said, I probably won't see them live until Wayne Trace. I think they go there. So I won't see them live until Wayne Trace plays them. But um, it'll be fun to watch, you know, everything unfold till then. Um, through, you know, as you've – as everybody else in the conference has seen, you can't overlook anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, cause, you know, everybody else has at least one loss. Most of them have two. So, um Nothing's guaranteed till they get to that Wayne Trace game, and I think that's their last one. But that should be a fun yeah. matchup when that comes around. Yeah, in the conference, Paulding four and zero, Tenora three and one. Okay, Antwerp, Ayersville, Wayne Trace, Hicksville, all two and two. Okay, Edgerton one and three, Fairview zero oh and four. Paulding has Fairview, Tenora, and Wayne Trace left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fairview's at home. Uh, Tenora's on the road, and then Wayne Trace is at home. So you got to think they should they you know they take care of Fairview this week at home. They're five, and the conference is pretty well locked up. At least getting a share. The tricky thing is, you know, with going to Tenora and then finishing up with Wayne Trace. Yeah, um, Tenora's playing pretty well right now. 
um, and their conference wins, you've got Edgerton, Fairview, Ayersville. And Ayersville, they they won that one pretty convincingly, didn't they? Did 50, I see that? Yeah, 53-37. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's a that Ayersville team, like I said, I mean, I've only seen the one game is when they were at Wayne Trace, but I was mm-hmm. pretty impressed with Ayersville. So um yeah, that's a big win for Tenora. And I, I don't think that's gonna be an easy game um for Paulding. I mean that that when you know that I know that's next week, that should be a uh, that should be a pretty competitive ball game and a pretty close finish, I would I would think. Yeah. I mean it just shows that basketball is all about matchups because Paulding beats Ayers, or excuse me, Tenora beats Ayersville by sixteen. Yep. Wayne Grace loses to Ayersville earlier. Yep. Um but then you know, beats Tenora. Wayne Trace beat Tenora by 18. And it's just kind of, you know, what, what's going on here? So, and I'll say this as a coach, I hated it. And even still as a fan, I do not like, I know you have to do it with your schedule and how it's set up. The conference games before the new year. So back in December. Yeah. I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of. And it's, it's early. Especially for a team like Antwerp this year, yeah. Specifically, because, I mean, what do you practice in two weeks, and then all of a sudden you're into, you know, conference play already? And oh yeah, by the way, you got to start off with polling. Yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. You make a good point, and I don't. Did it always used to be that way? There's some years that'll fall after the new year. It'll fall after the new year. Okay. That because, se- that seems more normal to me. I don't follow that as close. Like I got maybe, maybe I'm not as aware of that. Um, but that's interesting you mentioned that because I do feel like there's been years where, um, and I even think back to when we played. I'd feel like you weren't really getting into conference games till right after the break. Right, right, and and you know, so here's the thing. I think maybe the conference tries to stay away from like Christmas and New Year's because the first conference game was Friday, December the 16th. Yeah. They take a week off. The next conference game is until Friday, January 6th. That's a huge gap. The big gap. And that I wonder why that is. And, and maybe one of these ADs or one of these coaches would know. Yeah. But to me, man, that, and I know you just want to play them on Friday night. Yeah. Well, the they, only thing I can think of is, is the tournament moved up like is the tournament starting earlier than normal? The tournament moves, and especially this year, it kind of fluctuates too. Okay, uh, it just depends how the calendar falls. And again, it doesn't have anything to do with it this year. But there's been years past where, like, say Easter will fall right at the end of March. Okay. Okay, so obviously you can't have state tournament Easter weekend. It's got to no. be a week sooner, so everything kind of gets bumped up a week. Now this year. I believe Easter's April 9th. Okay. Taken. So I don't think it has anything to do with it, but, and maybe they just adjusted it a few years ago because I feel like the last couple of years it's kind of been like this. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know why it happens or it, I think it just kind of fluctuates and that's how it falls. Well, I guess what I was getting at is the Ottaville game. You know, for as long as I, you and I can remember, Wayne Trace's played out of the lat that's the last regular season game every yep. year yep and there's some years where that's very late february like you know 22nd 23rd whatever mm-hmm. and then there's years where that's 
middle February, like 15th, 16th. And I think this year it is towards the middle of the month as opposed to being later in the month. So that's why I asked, like, I didn't know if this, the tournament fell on an earlier date or what, um, to yeah, get the, to get those conference games in and having to start one, you know, before the new year. Yeah. It's, it's Friday. That last game of the year is Friday the 17th again. Okay. So and maybe a lot, that, of, a lot of teams don't want to play that Saturday because not only do you not want to end with a double weekend, but then your turnaround, you're playing sectionals on the following Tuesday. If you don't. Yeah. Have- yeah. You're, it's not like you're getting a whole week to, to prep for it. You got a day or two. Yeah, and I know I do know this. Some of the bigger sectionals um, actually will play like three or four games in a sectional, if that makes sense. So yeah, some, like isn't that called like a super sectional or something? Yeah, like yeah. So some of them will start like the week of, the week of the last game of the year. Okay. So some of those sectionals, I think I was reading the other day, will start on like the fourteenth, fifteenth of February. Okay, so you want all your games then, not only before that date, but obviously you want a little gap between your last regular season game and first tournament. Yeah, but, I mean, and now around here, that doesn't really affect us. We kind of know that, you know, this is when you're starting. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's been moved up the last couple years, and I don't really know why. Yeah. I'm not, you got to go play the game. Yep. But I just think that's early. And then you look at a team like Wayne Trace, they drop dropped one to Ayersville at home. Give Ayersville all the credit. Yeah. But, you know, you go back and you look at those first conference games and you start thinking, you know, those those had – they played a big factor on, on how we're ranked so far this year. Yeah. Yeah. When, wins and losses. And so I just think it's hard for a team to come out of football, play for two weeks, and then, Go to you know – jump into conference play and I guess the only solution would be is to not have your football team play so well. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I tell you, (laughs) I can tell you from experience, it's not easy because for baseball, we have to do it. So our first conference game is at the end of our second week. And so typically um, now sometimes with the weather, that game gets rained out and you get that extra week before you're an extra few days before you're playing your first conference game. But, um, you know, there's been years where we're playing our first conference game and overall it's like our third or fourth game of the year. Yeah. And so, and not only that, but you throw in, you know, more often than not, Wayne Trace, you know, typically, um, you know, makes a decent basketball run. And so we're getting our guys, I don't want to say late, late, you know, because I, I know everybody has to deal with it, but we get ours, you know, maybe a little later than some others. And then, you know, you're essentially – three weeks by the time you get them you have three weeks to you play a conference game let alone the two weeks you get before a regular season game so yeah it's not easy and i I think of it you know as far as basketball um it does seem a little early and 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 maybe you know a little impactful on how the uh the conference as itself you know plays out over the course of the year yeah yeah it's i mean i don't know i don't know the reasoning but it's tricky and like i said um Here's Polling sitting four and zero, and they've got Fairview coming to the jungle Friday night. So, um, good chance to get to five and zero. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's go. Let's talk about the other two county teams that squared off last Friday night. Um, yeah. I assume you caught it on my sports. You didn't go to the game. I wouldn't imagine. No, I didn't go to the game. Um, we actually 
wife and I went out to dinner, um, met up with some friends that we hadn't seen in a while. So that we got to catch up with them, but we did get to listen to, um, Kenny and Jason on the radio on our way home. We caught the, basically the second and third quarter. And we were able to watch by the time we got home, fourth quarter was just getting started. So we caught the fourth quarter on, on TV. Um, another instant classic, just like, uh, just like UMPB pretty much predicted on the, on the show on last week's show. Yeah. I mean, it was a day and I watched the whole thing from home. I, I decided not to go. I got off work kind of late. Okay. Um, I just thought no offense to Antwerp, anybody from Antwerp listening, but, um, the gym's not real big. Seating. Um, and, and for a game like that, you're going to have to get there early to get a decent seat. Yeah, and I just thought, man, that's going to be crowded. So I, I picked up some food on the way home, and I came home and watched it on TV. Yeah. And and that was pretty much the end of that. Um, <laughs> but what did, you, I mean, what did you think about the game as far as listening to it and watching the fourth quarter? That's about what you about what I expected, anyways. A back and forth battle between you know pretty evenly matched teams, in my opinion. Um, came down to the wire, and like you know, again, like you know, I, I agreed with you and Peyton. You know, I know I wasn't on the show, but just listening to you guys, um, you guys pretty much nailed it in terms of how I thought it was going to unfold, and for the most part, it did. Um, Antwerp had a chance late, um, and you could it appeared that they were going to try to run things down, run the clock down and, you know, be the last team with the ball, get a shot off at the end. Um, can't say I blame them because, you know, I wouldn't want to give the ball back to, to Brooks Locka for Kyle Stoller. Um, it just didn't work out for them. Um, they, you know, turned the, it was working. It, it appeared. And then just, just one pass got away from them. And Wayne Trace was able to take advantage. Um, an awfully tough shot by Kyle Stuller. I don't know. And, and I would love, I haven't, I don't be not being in the high school building anymore. I don't get to see him as near as often as I used to. I would love to ask him and maybe he's already talked to you or somebody about this. It almost appeared like the way he spun around is like, you basically just a turnaround fadeaway jumper. It almost appeared that he was under the impression he didn't have as much time as he actually did. Because there's like 3.1 when he hits the shot. And I want to say he's he's got the ball in his hands with like five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And, you know, great shot. I'm not taking, not saying, you know, you know, he made the shot, you know, good for him. I was just, it just seeing it live, seeing it on TV, I guess, not live. It just looked like he thought maybe there was a little less time than what he had. Like I yep. thought maybe he was in position to, you know, get a dribble, get a little closer and then shoot. But obviously it worked out for, for Wayne Trace. I will say this, um, as a coach and maybe as a player, if I go back and remember, it just seems like you have a good idea of how much time is on the clock. And yeah. Because you're, you're obviously not watching it the whole time. No. It gets to a certain point, so you kind of have an idea. And, yeah. that's, you know, with the pass getting away a little bit, maybe that set him into – It did. It just kind of sends you into a little bit of a panic mode. Probably, probably, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, I mean, he he still made an awesome shot. That was the only thing that I was wondering that I would like to ask him. I mean, I'm you know, extremely happy for him, and obviously, you know, working at Wayne Trace and and coaching baseball there, and having you know knowing most of those kids and having coached Kyle um, in junior high football in the past. Obviously, I was rooting for him and rooting for Wayne Trace to win the game, and was happy that they did. 
Um, that was the only thing that I was just wondering. Like, man, I don't, I don't know if he needed because it almost looked like he rushed it and wanted to get it out of his hands. And I just don't know if he needed to. But like you said, um, Brooks's pass kind of took him away from the basket a little bit. So maybe, maybe he, maybe that. Um, and I don't think Brooks meant, meant to throw it that far away. So maybe that just kind of sent him for a bit of a threw him a bit of a curveball, I guess. And maybe he just wanted to make sure he got it off and you know didn't run out of time. I mean, but it's better to shoot it early than not at all, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was a good shot. Um, I thought Antwerp did a pretty good job of getting the ball down the floor and at least giving themselves an opportunity to get a shot off at the horn. Yeah, and speaking was- of that, speaking of that, did it look, and you'll know this better than, than I, because I don't, I don't see the X's and O's of the game as it's unfolding. Um, did it look like Antwerp, I know it's different situations. They needed a three. Crestview needed, you know, just a bucket. Period. Did they line up similar to how Crestview did at the end of that game? At the end of our game with Crestview, uh, like yeah. the four acro- across the foul line, like that, like they're yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. Because it, it, it was similar. It was similar. Okay. Um, well, what caught my attention is, like I said, I saw the the big guys out top, and then the guys on the broad on the my sports broadcast even mentioned it. Um, one of the guys, I can't remember his name, but he said this kind of looks simple because we called Wayne Trace obviously called timeout after we saw how they were set up. And one of the guys, as they were, as the teams were going back to their huddles, that's what one of the guys mentioned. It's like, boy, that setup looks awfully similar uh, to the way Crestview lined up a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I got to think about it. I was like, you know what? That is, I don't know if it's the exact same. And obviously, they don't, they're not going to go, they're not going to go right to the bucket. They need a three, but it did look similar. And I, you know, everybody knew probably knew who the ball was going to, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, is you know, are they lining up like this? Just you know, could land it? Could the Brewer kid just be a, a decoy for, for somebody else to hit a bomb? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was a well designed play. I mean, that, and that's all you can do in that situation. Obviously, it looked like you know Wayne Trace was just guarding the uh, three point line, which is obviously. Yeah what you want to do right there's no need to you know guard anywhere else i guess sure sure so yeah i mean it was um it was a well-designed play and being that you've uh and being that you've been in that huddle before you know the past few years Uh are you basically you know if are you forcing someone else to beat you like you know you're going to be all over um um, Brewer, you're going to be all over him. You're going to make somebody else like beat. You can live with somebody else beating you. You're not going to let you know their best scorer beat you. Well, yeah, and especially I guess if it's just a tie, um, yeah. you know, not necessarily losing. Yeah, if you're Wayne Tracy, you like for Landon to not touch that ball at all. But if you over help, I guess like you they did, they gave, they gave up a layup. Now, yep. I'm not saying obviously they don't need a layup, but um, you know, release. He played pretty well the other night. He hits the right. Big... So if I mean, you could maybe lose him in the shuffle. He hits one. You know, Parker Moore's not a bad shooter. No, uh, maybe he pops open and hits one. So you kind of want to stay sound at the same time too. Gotcha. Uh, it's tough. It's tough in that situation. I mean, what you're telling them, obviously, with all the timeouts, you're trying to figure out what they might be drawing up. But if you guess wrong, you can put your guys in a bad situation. Sure. Sure. 
Um, no, I was just curious what those what those late game huddles are are like as a coach. Obviously, I've been in some of them as a player, but you yeah, not think as a player. I'm not thinking like a coach will. I'm just thinking about whatever my job is. If I'm guarding somebody or if I'm taking the ball out or whatever. Well, in that situation, you're going over everything. You're going over if you have fouls to give. Yep. Um, you're talking about you know who you want to foul, what, how much time you kind of want to foul, you know, left with, you know. Uh, and then, and then you're talking about if we do have to help, who, who are we bringing our help away from? Because there is a kid out that, you know, every team typically has a guy that you could probably help off of. Sure. Sure. That, that couldn't hit a three. Yeah. Now, I don't know that I would risk it on the last play of the game, but right. um, that's something you could definitely talk about and then, you know, kind of go from there. But sure. And then other situations, you know, you talk about how many timeouts you have left if you have to take the ball out or. Yep. And then one thing we always did is if we knew the other team was out of timeouts and we kind of had, say, a four point lead, um, you know, we would kind of tell our guys, not only do we not need to be right up on them, just let them shoot the ball. And if it goes in, we're not taking the ball out. Yeah, because at that point you don't have to. Yeah, because if it's under five seconds, they score five seconds. I mean, you don't even have to take it out. You just let it roll around and time yep. out and all is well. So, I mean, I know that wasn't the situation, but those are all things you look at. You look at the clock and you look at the foul situation and do, sure. do everything, go over everything one more time. Um, and I can tell you, like, being in those situations as the assistant, I was especially if we were taking the ball out with a lead. I always let my guy taking it out know multiple times how many timeouts were left. Yeah, and and if we had any, and definitely made sure we let him know we do not have any, so do not call one. We're not giving them free throws in the ball, right? You know, <laughs> so yeah. don't do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great game. It was a great well, game. Both, both teams played really well. Um, and it was a great ball game that, that went in the Raiders' favor. I caught some grief because, you know, I put on Facebook and Twitter after the game, clean sweep at the range. <laughs> um, nothing against Antwerp. I wasn't dogging on Antwerp. The only thing, I was just happy for my team, happy for my guys. Yeah, all um, freshman JV and varsity all getting the win. All getting the win. Yep, there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, I – because. I just, they would, I mean, you know, they would, uh, they would feel the same way you did if, if it were reversed, if they took all three games. Absolutely, and that's happened before. I, ha- I, and that's what when, when I was coaching that happened. I was coaching the freshman then, and we got we got swept that night. Yeah. So, um, I was just happy for my guys. I did, uh, I did text most of my guys from from last year, right after the game, and. Told them they played great and keep building on it. And uh, they followed up with a big win Saturday night, too, over at Miller City. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, hopefully that can start to uh, springboard them. I mean, I mean, it's going to be tough to get – they need some help to get back into the conference race. Um, and I don't even know how much they're still thinking about that. Maybe they, maybe they're – maybe they are. Um, or maybe they're, maybe they're just focused on getting better each week, getting ready for the tournament. But um, – yeah, maybe this can get them on a on a nice little roll. Um, that crest that crest you lost 
that 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 stung. Um, it did, and and rightfully so. So, um, that that's not always a tough. That's or that's that's always losing not only to Crestwood, but then losing that way the way that happened when you're you know leading most of the way. That's you don't know how kids are going to respond um, the next week, especially when you're a fairly young team like they are. You know, only one senior, so um, it was good for them to bounce back and 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 sweep the weekend. Hopefully they can uh, get on a roll here going yeah. into the end of the end of the season. Yeah, and they'll definitely get tested here the last, you know, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left. Edgerton, Kaleida, Fairview. Listen to these last four. Tiffin Columbian, Paulding, Lima Shawnee, and Ottaville. <laughs> yeah. It's He's a brutal, a- brutal stretch there. That that is brutal. That is very that Tiffin, is that the uh, is that the game at Ottawa? That is at Ottawa Glendorf at three fifteen in their winter classic. I'm not sure who's all over there that day, but I might, I might try to get over there and watch. They usually have two or three, four games over there. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to get over there and watch all of them. Last year, OG played. Um, oh shoot, who they play? Harvest Prep, I believe. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a battle. It was a battle. I, I wasn't there. We played at Crestview that night, but. Um, I went back and watched it. They live streamed it, and it was, man, it, it was it was good basketball. Yeah. Now that I'm out of it, I might want to get over there all day and check all the games. Out. <laughs> so. Yeah. I figured. Yeah, I figured they'd be inviting some pretty quality uh, competition for sure. Yeah. Um, the last team I want to talk about just real quick. Yep. I, well, I've kept you way too long. We've been oh, on here okay. an hour and a half, I think, but. Um, the Tenora Rams, just the way they beat Ayersville Friday night. Yeah. Um, I told Peyton last week that, that they were a nice team. They could get hot. Um, and that must, I, you know, I haven't seen the stats or did I watch the film, but that must've been what happened was they must've got hot and, uh, they must've controlled Schlachter on the post a little bit and, and just played their tails off. So. Well, I would think so. I was a rivalry game because I, I was pretty impressed with Ayersville after yeah. seeing them play against us, and I thought, you know, at the time, like that's got to be one of the teams to beat. And then to see, you know, not to take anything away from Tenora, but seeing them in person and seeing us, you know, not that we didn't handle them, you know, by any means, we won the game, but um, Tenora did not go away all night. They shot it really. I thought the difference was they shot it really well for three quarters. And then they just hit a quick dry spell there in that fourth quarter. And that, I think that was what allowed us to pull it away. Um, otherwise, that was a very competitive game, you know, all the way to the end. And I thought, you know, if you'd asked me to make a pick or if you guys, if we would have done picks last week, I I might have picked Ayersville to win that game. So I was kind of surprised to see that outcome. Um, but I agree with you. I, Tenora, um, they're dangerous if they if they shoot it well. You know, not only like they did against us, but apparently like they did against Ayersville last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're a solid team. Solid yeah. team. For sure. for sure. And and they get – I think the key with them, they get um, – you know, they get pretty good guard play. And similar to Ayersville, you know, they were – what impressed me with them, and I guess why I thought so highly of them, is just not their size. But then along with that, they could handle the ball and they could – they could just pick a press right apart. So I just, um, I didn't know how, 
you know, unless you can match up with their size, I didn't really know after seeing them just the one night, I didn't really know how you go about um, attacking them. But um, I, I suppose if you can shoot it really well, especially from the outside, like Tenora can, um, I, that apparently is the recipe on, on how to go out there. Yeah. Yep. Looking forward to this week. Um, you've got Paulding welcoming in Fairview. We've got Hicksville um, home with, or I guess Tenora. Edgerton travels to Wayne Trace, and then Antwerp goes to Ayersville. So big meeting games. Yes. Um, you know, Tenick, or Hicksville and Tenora, that three and one, two and two, that's a big game for the Rams. It is. Uh, they get that one, they create a little more separation. And then Antwerp Bearsville, both with two losses, you would think the loser is probably definitely eliminated with sure. only games left. So, right. Big one there. Big one there. And seeing, you know, like I said, I wasn't at the Antwerp game last week, but just kind of looking at, if you look at the resumes and, you know, think about, you know, some of the common opponents these teams have seen already, it's, um, you know, good reason to believe that. You know, a few of those games in particular, that especially that Antwerp and Ayersville one, that should be a good one. Um, and then the Tenor and Hicksville one as well. Um, mm-hmm. Probably those, I'd probably say those are probably the two headliners, um, just yeah. being where the teams are positioned in the standings. But um, yeah, should be another good weekend of hoops. And I'll say this Fairview has played everybody tough. I mean, I know they're, they're 0 and 4 in the conference, but I've Am- seen, yeah, they've had some close games. They, they, they gave Antwerp. A game they um, looked like they had a chance to beat Hicks. I think they played Hicksville twice. Is that right? Yeah, and they beat them one of those games. They so Hicksville got them the first time, first game of the year by okay. thirteen, and then I and that was that that was at Hicksville, and then <laughs> the conference game was at Fairview, and I believe um, the Klima kid had to hit a shot. At the buzzer, or hit a shot at the buzzer for Hicksville to win by one. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, so, they're not going to be easy, that's for sure. No, and haven't they? I they've beat. I can't remember where I heard this from, but they've beat Paulding the last few years. Yeah, they beat Paulding the last few years. So, so Paulding's they they got a bit of a even though they're at the top of the standings, they got a bit of a hump to get over. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and Fair, I mean, like I said, Fairview's playing tough, and they just beat Brian the other night. And uh, Fairview gets somebody, I feel like, almost every year. Like, they 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 get one of those conference wins. Like, I, cause I know they've beaten us a couple times at their place over the years. Um, and I, and they, they always play us tough anyways. So, I, I wouldn't count them out, that's for sure. No. No, absolutely not. And, you know, <laughs> they they go to Polding, but then they get Wayne Trace at their place. They get and then they go on the road to Ayersville. So, so they're going to they're going to be desperate for for the win, for any win yeah. they can get going the rest of the way. Absolutely. Um, that's all I got on high school basketball. You got anything else to add or anything that jumped out at you over the weekend or maybe? No, no not really. Just like you said, should be another good weekend. Um it, I guess the main thing is just seeing what direction this conference race goes. Does, does Paulding not necessarily lock it up, but clinch their share um, with a win and with, I think they need a little help from Hicksville, but, um, or does it, you know, does it go the other direction where, you know, Fairview pulls the upset, so to speak, and, and lets a few teams 
lets a few teams back into it, including, you know, our, our, our hometown boys, Wayne Trace. Um, obviously, Wayne Trace has to take care of business themselves. Um, mm-hmm. For, you know, the winner, that, that, Antwer- that Antwerp-Bearsville game, the winner of that, you know, has to pretty much win out. Um, Tenora has to take care of business. So not that it's a done deal by any means, but it's, it's, it, it feels like one, that week where, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's at a crossroads. It's at a turning point. It's going to go one direction or another. For sure. For sure. We're going to know a lot more after this weekend. Absolutely. Well, man, it was great catching up with you. And thanks for filling in this evening. I, yeah. I Peyton appreciates it. And I definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime, anytime I enjoy being on. All right. So, um, that'll do it for tonight's episode. Um, you can send us some fan mail. I know we haven't done the picks in a while. We might get back at it here in the next couple of weeks, but uh, send the fan mail to across the field pod at yahoo.com. Catch us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Um, and if you want to want to be a sponsor, we'll get you a commercial. Hit me up or hit, hit Peyton up. We'll get you something going here. Um, as always, check out our boys especially Rob Bailey beat himself over at the Deer podcast. He does a phenomenal job. Um, again, Ryan, thanks again. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you over the weekend. I'm sure. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again for having me. All right. You have listened to another episode of across the field. Peace out.